people said? I guess it, Providence Baptist Church is the place to be because that's where we're going to do things. And I thank the women's ministry team and all of the church members uh, for that. Um, who knows what next year will bring in God's blessings and his care. And this is certainly uh, living our faith in a way that matters and that shows it. Instead of talking about it, we're doing it, and I appreciate that. Tammy and I want to thank you um, not only for all of the Christmas cards you gave to us, but also for the very gracious uh, gift that you gave to the staff. We received it uh, Christmas Eve, and we thank you very much for that, and we appreciate your, your care and love for us as well. Um, we want to turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter uh, 9, and this is still a Christmas message, sort of. Um, you know, I turned on the radio expecting to hear some more good Christmas songs, and unfortunately, it's the day after Christmas, so all the radio stations are mostly back to playing what they normally do, and I was a little disappointed, but the idea of Christmas isn't that it's over in one day, it should continue for the rest of the year because it actually helps us to understand that Christ Jesus came as a baby in the manger, but he lived and he grew and he taught and then he died on the cross for our sins that we might have forgiveness of those sins and win the battle and, and the bond, of the bondage from sin. And so we're gonna do one more sermon here on our throne names of the Messiah. And the reason we're going to do this one Today is because this is the one that certainly has a far-ranging impact and an understanding of what we're supposed to do as Christians. Um, following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're supposed to understand that he is the Messiah, but he is also these names that are given to him uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 2 through 7. But we're going to take a look. Um, just here at verse um, 6, and uh, we will read that. For a child will be given for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to be talking about Prince of Peace uh, his dominion will be vast and, and his prosperity will and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. What we've done here in the last five Sundays, uh, beginning after Thanksgiving, was to focus on the five points, perhaps you could call them, of the Bethlehem star. The five names given to the Messiah who would be born. The very first one talked about his presence, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, Emmanuel. Then in 9.6, by the way, that one comes from Isaiah 7.14, but in 9.6, we have four names, and those four names talk about his character and his reign as the Messiah. Not only will he be God with us, his presence with us, and gives us the presence of God with us as we come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. But the very first name there in Isaiah 9.6, Wonderful Counselor, talks about his purpose, 
He's a wonder of a counselor. He gives the best advice, the greatest advice, the only advice that matters for time and eternity. And that's the word wonderful counselor. It talked about his power. His name is mighty God. He's the God and he, he, there's nothing he can't do. And he's powerful and he fights for us and, and he's our um, rescuer and redeemer. And it talks about his power. The name Everlasting Father, which is also there, can also be translated as Eternal Father or Father of Everlasting, talks about his permanence. He's just not here today and gone tomorrow. Like somebody thinks, oh, well, Christmas was yesterday. We're going to play Christmas songs. It's gone and now we go on with our life. Jesus is always here. He will always be here. He will always be with us. Until God sends him to come back and we'll go to be with him for eternity ever and ever and ever. When we came to know Jesus Christ, as John 3.16 tells us, that we have an everlasting life with him. From the moment we've asked him into our hearts, he never ceases to be our Savior and our Lord. He won't leave us and he won't go away. He's permanently here. And that's one of the characteristics of the Messiah the last name that we're going to look for here has to do with his care, his providential care. By the way, what's the name of this church? Providence. Because God gives us his love and he provides for us uh, in all of our lives and in, in all of eternity. And this providential care uh, comes to us specifically in the understanding of Jesus as the Prince of Peace or the Messiah as the Prince of Peace. And again, we have a circumstance where we have two parts to the name and we have to look at each part and then understand them together. So the Messiah who was born, the little babe in the manger, would, could be called, was to be called, came to be called the Prince of Peace. Not only Emmanuel, not only Wonderful Counselor or Mighty God or Everlasting Father, all those are part of his name and who he is, and his character, and his reign as the Messiah, but also Prince of Peace. And so our task this morning is to consider what that means for us today and make application for this little babe in the manger who is now the Prince of Peace. First off, the word Prince of Peace uses the term Prince. And that word is an interesting kind of, of name because it not only refers to the physical fact that he will reign, but it also refers to his ability and his character of being worthy of reigning and worthy of being the ruler or the governor. The, this word occurs 381 times in the Old Testament and it stands to for indicate people who are leaders or chieftains, royal rulers and officials. It's never used of an average individual, but someone who has the authority and the position to make a difference. In fact, the word itself is used throughout the ancient Near East to identify the heads of areas of operation or government. In other words, the chief or the prince of the prison guards or the butlers or the bakers. The highest official in charge of any area or any task is called prince. It is a term of rank and dignity. And so this little babe born in a manger is given the rank 
of prince. Prince. Therefore, a name of rank and dignity is the word or the name Prince of Peace, indicating his chief responsibility in his reign. He will bring peace. He will oversee peace. He will provide for the well-being and the peace of his people. So that's his task. That's his responsibility to be the one who brings that to us, who makes that possible. Jesus is the Messiah and he is the Prince of Peace. There is no one else who can bring us that kind of peace. Only Jesus, only the Messiah. And we need to recognize that he has the ability and the power and the might and the presence in our lives to actually bring us what is discovered or, or what is contained in that word peace, in which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But nobody else can bring us that peace. You know, we can't get it by watching TV. We can't get it by playing video games. We can't get it by, um, you know, seeking fame and fortune out in the world, spending tons of money, stealing tons of money. There's nothing that we could do in this old life that would give us that kind of peace like Jesus can, who is the Prince of Peace, because he controls it. He is the one who is responsible for it. In other words, if we want to be successful in life and seek the kind of deeply satisfying peace in all the things that we do, we need to seek Jesus because he gives us that kind of peace. No other peace can, no other thing in life can offer that kind of true soul satisfaction or soul peace. To know that we are right with God and right with, with Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. But the second part, in fact, the matter we could go to that first slide, I didn't, there we are, the leadership of the Messiah focuses on his role as prince. And number two, um, the term prince, or peace, I'm sorry, focuses on what he gives us. And people say, oh, peace out, you know, all that, or peace out. And we use that term in a flip, flippant way, kind of a shallow way, peace brothers, you know, when we really don't mean the depth of its meaning, or we don't understand the depth of its meaning, and we often don't really mean that when we say peace to other people. Um, the word peace is not merely the absence of war or turmoil or contention. In fact, the Hebrew word for peace is the word Shalom. Have you ever heard that word? Shalom? It refers to a state of harmony, a state of prosperity, a state of well-being, and literally completeness. When you have peace, you are complete. You're not lacking in anything else. It's used over 250 times in the Old Testament in 213 verses. Interestingly enough, in, in Israel today, it's used to mean hello and goodbye. So you can say shalom, which means hello, and you can say shalom, which means goodbye. And if you ask somebody how they're feeling, refer to their well-being, you ask literally what their peace is. Ma what is your peace? Which means how you doing today? You know, what's up? That's what it means in a way. 
In Israel, it's used that way as well. Not only to say hello and goodbye, but how are you doing? In Arabic, salam means the same thing. And it's the same word that means peace. It refers to what's happening in our lives and our good well-being. That's what Jesus is prince of. The New Testament word, which means peace, refers to harmony and relationships where strife and discord is replaced by harmonious relationships. The idea is that peace is what we find in God's intent for us as individuals who are created in his image. He didn't create for us a crazy, chaotic world. As a matter of fact, it's been said that God came in and turned the chaos around and created the order of the earth and the heavens and life. So out of chaos comes simplicity. Out of turmoil comes rest and peace. And that's what peace is all about. Knowing the Prince of Peace means that you know what matters for time and eternity and you can hold on and trust this Prince, this Messiah, to help us not only have our harmonious relationship with God, be in right relationship with Him, but also to be in harmonious relationships with others. I actually saw an article the other day that said that people of faith the marriages of people of faith last longer than the average world. Well, I thought, well, yeah, sure, because we have the Prince of Peace. If the Prince of Peace is in your marriage, then it will last because you don't just do things the way you want to do them. If you do them the way God wants you to do them through Jesus Christ, he brings that providential peace that helps us live life to the fullest and to the depth that he wants us to have. Um, one particular uh, individual by the name of James Parker, uh, a theologian, identified three foundational areas where Christians are called to access this peace or make peace. In other words, three areas where Christians need to pay attention to the Prince of Peace and what he offers to us. The first is the vertical or personal. And I'd like to think of that as the covenant relationship that we have with God. We make peace with God. Billy Graham has a nice little uh, booklet, Peace with God. It's how we get right with God. In fact, if we know that sometimes we may wind up dying, the, the usual statement is made, go make your peace with God. Because that's the relationship you have to have. Why wait? Why wait till later to make your peace with God? Make your peace with Him. Since we are now, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord, is what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Because of Christ's redemptive work on the cross and our entering into a trusting relationship with Him, our great war with God is over. Our war against sin is over and God has forgiven us of our sin and now we're able to have peace with God. That comes from Billy Graham's little book, Peace with God. We need to make peace with God and come to realize that that's the very first step to honoring the Prince of Peace, the little Messiah, as we grow in God's grace and in his love. Secondly, there is a horizontal relationship. 
The relationship is within the body of Christ. We are reconciled with Christ to God, but we are brought to Christ. Um, and now we are reconciled with him and he becomes our peace. Uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, you were once off, far off, you were once far off, uh, you have now been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. He has reconciled um, us to God through the cross. So Jesus gives us that ability to be um, reconciled with, with God through Jesus Christ and reconciled with the body of Christ, with each other. We are reconciled together because we're part of that body of Christ when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that's important for us to realize that peace is supposed to reign in our church life as well. Our life with each other, our life with our families. We're supposed to understand that the peace of the Messiah is to spread through our lives and our relationships with each other. The third area that James Parker said as Christians we are called, where we are called to make peace is the corporate peacemaking in society at large. We're not only supposed to be peaceful with, with Christians, but also with the society at large. Paul said, as if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. This is the kind of understanding that the peace that Jesus gives us isn't just a static one-way relationship that he gives to us, but he gives it to us so that we can share it with the body of Christ and the body of Christ can share it with the world. God has called us to live in the peace of the Messiah, the peace that he brings. We don't try to do it in our own way because we may get it wrong, but the peace of God is what we're called to share with others, that they too can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is important because this is what we are called to share with others, just like at the uh, shelter, to, to have and provide the things that help them to have comfort and safety. That's what God is doing here. This is why we are receiving the providential peace of the Lord. But there's another point that we need to make, and that is this peace is above all peace that human peace can conceive of or think of. The peace of Jesus Christ goes deeper than what we might consider peace to be. We tend to think, well, if you're not at war, you're in peacetime, or if there's a lack of conflict, you're in peacetime. But that's not exactly what God's peace is all about or what Jesus' peace is all about. A number of, of statesmen have indicated that they recognize this from years ago and even more recently. Um, uh, a newspaper editor once said, what we need is a peace conference with the Prince of Peace. That was written back right before World War I. And that's true. Uh, our president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, once said, if civilization is to survive, the principles of the Prince of Peace must be restored. So we don't define our peace on our own terms or society's terms. We define our peace on the principles of the Prince of Peace. All peacemaking is to be based on God's principles of righteousness. 
In other words, the peace to be sought is not peace at any price, which is transitory and an illusion, but rather it's peace that is based on God's justice and righteousness. You remember in Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 7, we read the dominion, the dominion of the Messiah will be vast, his kingdom will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it. And listen to what Isaiah prophesied. And he will sustain it with justice and righteousness. Righteousness with God and justice with each other. In the Beatitudes, Jesus talked about righteousness which comes before peacemaking. In Romans, Paul said that as he summarized the kingdom of God, he called it righteousness and then peace in that order. He affirmed that the kingdom of God would have righteousness and then peace. Later, the prophet Isaiah will affirm the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. That's in Isaiah 32, 17. In Isaiah 48, he said where unrighteousness, injustice and wickedness dwell, there can be no peace. So we have to have righteousness and justice and goodness. Unrighteousness sustains division, discord, pain and strife. So whether in personal or family or business or school or international relationships, there will not be a biblical peace, which is healthiness, harmony, and completeness, unless it is founded on God's righteousness. And it comes through Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. The, Jesus, uh, the Jews thought that during the time of Jesus that the Messiah would come and defeat the Romans. And they were looking for the peace of the Messiah defeating the Romans. But Jesus not only uh, did not die on the cross, Satan is defeated when sin is defeated. The Prince of Peace who died on the cross brings us true and lasting soul satisfaction and soul peace. Peace comes when we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The supreme task for believers today is to pray for the reign of the Prince of Peace. Some say, pray for peace. No, we need to pray for the reign of the Prince of Peace because he alone can bring true peace. We need to pursue this peace of God, which Paul said transcends or passes all understanding. We need to learn to seek Jesus Christ and his peace and practice that peace because this is the peace which really matters for time and eternity not the word peace and the idea that the world uses behind it to call for peace but the peace comes when we all bow our knees to Jesus Christ and recognize him not only as Savior but also as Lord so what should we do what should be the responsibility of us at this time of year Believers, as we get over Christmas, as we look to next year, another year, and whatever the future may bring, whatever may happen to us, what should we do? What should be the actual application to our lives? Someone told me once that, we should, that in a sermon you should be faithful to the scriptures, exalt Jesus Christ, 
and make application. If I stopped right now, you'd say, okay, fine, what am I supposed to do? So I was saying, what should we do? What should we learn from this? What is our takeaway? What do we go home with? Well, this is what we do. First of all, pursue the Prince of Peace. He is the Messiah. Pursue him. Pursue Christ. Lay hold, lay hold of him and hang on to him. Recognize that this Christmas season in the beginning of the new year, the babe in the manger didn't stay a babe in the manger, but truly became the Prince of Peace. And if we want peace between God and ourselves, peace between our families, peace in the world, then we need to hold on to that Prince of Peace, the little baby who died on the cross for our sins. He brings peace between God and us, and between us, each other together. And until he reigns in all of our hearts, there will be no true peace in the world. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians that everything comes from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Peace comes when we are reconciled to God and reconciled to him through Christ Jesus. And we learn that he becomes and we make him in our lives the Prince of Peace. It's interesting to note that some people have already seen this. People that we wouldn't even think had any idea about it. For example, Mahatma Gandhi. He was a, a Hindu, a, um, a Buddhist. Or he was Indian, but I think he was Hindu. And he supposedly commented to a Christian missionary by the name of E. Stanley Jones. And what he said was very, very profound. This is what he said. In my judgment, Mahatma Gandhi, he says, in my judgment, the Christian faith does not lend itself to much preaching or talking. It is best propagated by living it and applying it. When will you Christians really crown Jesus Christ as Prince of Peace and proclaim him through your deeds as the champion of the poor and the oppressed? That's Mahatma Gandhi recognizing the role of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And if we would do that, we would preach so much more effectively and we would talk and not just, and the walk that we're doing rather than just talk the talk. Learn who this Jesus is. To learn about him as the Prince of Peace, we have to study the Word of God in this coming year. Let's make it a part of our lives to be involved in deep and important and clear Bible study. Let's enjoy the time together in the fellowship that we have, but let's do it in studying the Word of God, learning how to grow deeper in our faith in Jesus and our walk with God through the Prince of Peace. Let him lead us into the peace he promised to give us. I know Jesus said in John chapter 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, I give it unto you. Jesus is saying we don't need to seek the peace of the world until we seek, first of all, him. The Christian gospel itself is called the gospel of peace in Acts and Ephesians. And the Holy Spirit 
in Colossians and Galatians is understood to produce the fruit of of peace. In other words, if you really want peace, allow Jesus as the Prince of Peace to guide you and yielding to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces that kind of peace that is real, that has depth, that makes a difference. Not only learn who Jesus is, let him lead you in this peace, but trust him to give us this peace. Peace with God, peace with each other, and peace, true peace, to our neighbors in the world. We also need to practice this peace with with each other and with the world. We need to do that and share with the world that our true peace is found in Jesus Christ. I want to close with the story of Jim and, and Veronica, who is known as Ronnie, Jim and Ronnie Bowers, and the amazing story of, of their family. On April 20th, 2001, you may remember back then, five American missionaries, um, which included two children, were flying home um, through the jungles of northern Peru uh, to make it I guess, back to America for, uh, for a trip. Their small single-engine Cessna was mistaken for a drug-smuggling plane by the crew of a CIA-operated surveillance aircraft. So, you know, our government got involved in it, right? A Peruvian fighter jet uh, was called in to investigate. And that Peruvian plane opened fire on that little Cessna plane, killing two of the missionaries, wounding another, and forcing the pilot to land in the Amazon River. Ronnie Bowers, 35 years old, and her seven-month-old daughter, Charity, were killed. The pilot, Kevin Donaldson, was badly wounded, and her husband... Jim Bowers and their six-year-old son, Corey, survived unhurt. It was amazing that the pilot and Jim and Corey survived the crash. But according to one source, the most amazing thing happened when Jim Bowers stood before a packed church at the memorial service for Ronnie and their daughter, Charity. There he summarized in two words his feeling in the midst of this awful tragedy. He just said this, inexplicable peace. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. Because Ronnie and her daughter were with the Lord and he knew that he had peace in Jesus Christ. This is the kind of peace the Prince of Peace offers. Do you have this kind of peace today? Do you recognize that this little child that was born in a manger became the Prince of Peace. And he wants to be the Prince of Peace in your heart. Sometimes our lives are so crazy and so in so much turmoil and mixed up and we don't know what's going on and we need to just hold on to Jesus and seek the peace that he gives because in him there is true soul satisfaction and really what matters for all time eternity. And it doesn't matter what may come, we can hold on to him and he guides us and leads him, leads us in the ways that God would have us to go. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. I'm going to ask the musicians to come forward and lead us in this song. 
Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but uh, what's it called? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Okay. And we're going to have our invitation here and invite you to come if the Lord is leading you to seek this peace. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let us share with you how to come to know him. If you know him as your Lord and Savior and you're looking for a church home, if you feel called to join with us, you come. Maybe God is calling you for some another reason just to come and pray. Whatever he may be doing, you come as we sing our, our invitation to him. Great is thy faithfulness.